I was brought up like believing in a very kind of stoic way of being and it's like you know if you're in hell just keep moving and type a kind of yeah, yeah for sure uh, and not to like really talk about any you know vulnerabilities so uh when I from one day to another around like a lot of stuff at work um surrounding me you know coming back from maternity leave had a panic attack Mm-hmm. I was home alone with my kids. I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Um, I got the kids into my neighbor. I called nine oh nine one 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 two, and I was like, <laughs> I'm having a heart attack. You need to come get me. And that's obviously very, you know, structured. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we talked for a bit, and they're like, You're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. And I was like, No, I'm not having a panic attack. You don't know me. That's not me. I don't have panic attacks. You're listening to Unleash the Badass Within by me, Sophia von Selsing, international coach and well-being specialist. I support high-achieving women leaders to reduce stress and build greater capacity to increase their presence and advance their careers. I had the pleasure of meeting Astrid Gyllenkroke Christensen, a badass women leader who's the CEO and co-founder of Leia, a Swedish femtech startup. Leia is on a mission to reinvent postpartum and parental health for the digital age. And as a serial impact entrepreneur, Astrid is an avid speaker at conferences and has been named Female Entrepreneur of the Year in Sweden. And Leia has also been named one of Europe's hottest startups by Sifted and Wired. And as a mother of three, she's passionate about female health and changing the narrative around parental health. Astrid and I discussed how to stay sane and healthy in the stressful world of being a high-achieving women leader and how to juggle all the responsibilities. We also touched upon how she almost burned out and how she knows now when to pull the brake and manage her energy better. Astrid is passionate about creating a sustainable work environment for herself and her team, and she shares her strategies for that, as well as how she works with her mindset, stress reduction and self-critical thoughts. Astrid is an extraordinary human being and a source of inspiration, and I hope you will enjoy listening. Find the show notes and other resources at sofiafonselsing.com slash podcast. Now, over to my conversation with Astrid. Super welcome, Astrid. I'm delighted to have you here. Thank you, Sophia. I'm really happy to be here. This podcast is all about empowering women leaders, and you are definitely a typical badass women leader in my eyes. And that's why I'm so um, so thrilled to have you here to share your experience and your, you know, your learnings from the world of being a, a women leader. And you've been around for quite a long time. You started your journey, I know, within business development. You've been working many years in the media industry. How come you shifted focus and started the company Leia? I think I'm I'm a big and uh, big believer in you know trying things out and learning and kind of evolving from that. So I see my career as a, like a constant evolution in like learning what works for me what doesn't work for me what I'm really passionate about what I'm not passionate about 
So I started out in the media industry, as you said, in, in the UK. I was in London for uh, almost 11 years. Most of them spent at CNN International. Um, and it was at that point, um, what was really important for me, I was very kind of ambitious. I was very career driven. And the narrative around leadership for me was based on, I think, a very old narrative that you had to know it all. You had to have answers to everything. You had to work the hardest and the longest hours. And you had to be ruthless in one sense, but, you know, a good leader. Um, so I think I just try to kind of copy what I saw around me. And obviously CNN is the, you know, American company, has an American culture. So um, I kind of started feeling at that point that I was, you know, being acting a role. I wasn't being, you know, my true authentic self in, in how I led my team. And to be honest, I wasn't a very good leader at that point. I became a, a, like, I became an executive at that at an early stage and had, you know, responsibilities and, oh my God, I learned from so many of my mistakes. Um, but then I also had the privilege of having a, a really great female leader, uh, leader, my direct manager, so instead, I started kind of looking at her because the way that she led her team and this, the way that she kind of um, her culture and her values were much more aligned with mine. Um, mm. So after that, when I moved back to Sweden, um, I started in another big media company um, and I was very I love learning new things and I love like efficiency and digitalization and data driven insights. So. I loved being part of that really fast environment, but, um, but at the same time, I felt that culture-wise, there was a clash. Um, mm. It wasn't, um, it, well, I felt like there was a better way for me and a better format to me working. And that's when I started looking into the startup scene. And mm. I had the most amazing mentor may, helping me take that leap because I had, I thought, again, I was like writing that old narrative of what success was. And for me, it was like working in the biggest companies and the best companies at the highest role. And then that's doing a massive shift to working at that point, actually, as at a nonprofit startup was yeah. a very big shift. That's a big change. <laughs> from my person, you know, from a person, how I saw myself and what success was. But it's the best decision I've ever made. And it was one of my amazing female mentors um, who was heading up that uh, organization that helped me to take that leap. And that led me into the startup world and I'm never going back. <laughs> it is so, you know, well in line with how I work, you know, the very kind of flat hierarchy, quick decision-making, you know, fail fast, learn fast. I love that mentality. Uh, and at that point, we were working with integration. And, uh, you know, I know in my heart and I know come from a socioeconomics point of view, it is something, one of the biggest problems in our society today. And being a part of trying to find solutions within that was so giving and so valuable to me as a, as a person yeah. and for the team and for people around us. But I did also feel that my next startup, it needed to be something that I had experienced myself because even though mm. that I know integration is a, is a massive problem and we need to yeah. solve it, I I can't put myself in that situation. I can never yeah. feel those feelings. So you needed so, to find some kind of relatedness. I needed to really to understand. Um, and I think that's so important. I, I know there's a lot of startups like just find a gap in the market and just like run with mm. it. I think... 
going back to like the sustainability and how you kind of tap into that energy and how you kind of build a culture around it. I think it's so important that you are either been affected by yourself or can really relate to it in a really kind of close setting. So I've had quite not traumatic, well, traumatic in one sense, but I've had really dramatic like journeys into motherhood. I have three children and especially in relationship with my employer and parental leave because my uh, actually my first child I found out I was pregnant while I was in a recruitment process and uh, um, yeah that's a scary one you're like should I shouldn't I you know yep 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 but I was like I need to tell them I'm pregnant and they're going to say that I'm not going to get the job I just took that for granted it was just Hmm. and then this amazing manager he actually said you know what your long-term investment doesn't matter um children are great so and he's the only person I've ever had that, that, that interaction with since but because of that I felt almost guilty for being away I felt that I had to pay back that he was so nice so I started working again after four months and I was continuously like balancing motherhood and um uh, my career and I continue doing that through all my kids and at one point it's just like I just crashed and burned. I just, I can't do it anymore. It was like mm-hmm. balancing two people, two personalities, two needs. Yeah. And that's when I met my co-founder and her journey into motherhood was, was de- difficult in another way. She got birth injuries. They weren't identified in time. It took her four years and like hundreds and hundreds of, um, of healthcare appointments. And she now has the right diagnosis, but it also means that she will live with her injuries for the rest of her life, affecting her on a, on a daily basis. So our wow, joint kind of experiences just like led us to like, okay, we need to do something around postpartum and parental health because, you know, this is a non, like the user journey to take that, which is very bad. So, you know, there's so much to be done. The narrative needs to change and the support And the care needs to change for new mothers and new parents. And we just like instantly felt that this was what we're supposed to do. Uh, And we just started working out the next day. And and, and that's two years ago. Wow. And now you've secured, you know, funding and you have, uh, yeah, lots of investors and you're bringing on new people to the board. And it really sounds like, you know, the company is taking off and they're reading loads of great things, you know, about you in the news. and. Um, in terms of just like company size, how big are you now? We're seven now. Um, mm-hmm. And we were planning on being 10, but we are constantly evolving. And I do really believe in like having the team really tight and agile in the beginning yeah. and to be yeah, like yeah. 100% hit that product market fit and the, the business model that you're working with. Because you, I see so many companies doing the mistake of, you know, taking in, you know, capital. And then feeling that what they have to grow, they usually have that request, you know, from from the investors, and they just hire a lot of people, and then oh, you know, yeah. a months, yeah, like a pivot, <laughs> or you know, and they're like, okay, we have to let go of a lot of people, and exactly. obviously, living in Sweden, that's not always yeah. like the easiest transactions, uh, and it's also like it's people, um, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot to go into to that kind of process. So no, we we're keeping it lean, um, but plan is to grow um at least i think to 10 or 15 in the next year or so hmm. and just to pick up on something you said there that there were some values that 
your uh, the manager you had that you really liked at one of the was it a CNN or one of the media companies? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, and yeah. You said you know there were values there that you felt like you were really aligned with that, and there was something that you wanted to bring, you know, and keep for yourself, and maybe to bring yeah to your future companies. What values yeah. were they? I don't want to kind of oversimplify it and say female values because I don't think they're like female values, but maybe they are. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest barriers for me personally, uh, becoming an entrepreneur was that I believed in the narrative uh, around entrepreneurship. Yeah, I believed that you had to, uh, I did not have to be man, but that was usually the narrative, but I believe that you have to like sacrifice everything and everyone around you. I believe that you have to work 24 hours a day. I even had people saying like, oh, you have to choose between being a mother and an entrepreneur. How can you do that to your kids? So it was the mom guilt that kept me actually for quite a long time of starting my own company. Uh, and then when I did become an entrepreneur and we started Leia or, or extend before, it's, I had the same thing about what, like, the narrative around what a startup should be and shouldn't be. And, you know, the tough, you know, the, the tough culture and, you know, one in, one out and, you know, working 24-7, pushing it and all these different things. And I just, I don't believe in that. I mean, mm. I, I had my own experience and my journeys with, you know, with, you know, coming close to burnout and all these different things. And I know that that's not good business. I know that it's not good business. I don't want to work in an environment where they have that mentality and culture. And I don't think anyone else wants to either. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that, you know, building a trusting and an open and transparent, you know, culture and company is just going to lead to better business and more efficiency and people working smarter. Um, so I think it's, it's a lot about that. And also, you know, looking at people, I don't think there's a life and there's a work balance. I think there's a life and then work is one part of that. And you're one person and, you know, life will affect you. Work is one part. So you can't like pause your life when you're at work and things happen. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. most of us are parents as well. So there's always like one per you know, one kid on one arm and then you're working from home and then you just make it work and you have to be like open and like adaptable in that sense as well. And I think that's the way forward, but it's like seeing people for who they are and their needs and understanding that everyone is different. Um, I think is really important. And I think one of my investors, when he met the team the first time, we went out for dinner and uh, he was like, wow, you have a very, we have a big team with strong characters. There's a lot of, you know, transparency, openness and strong characters here. It's either going to like, like it's going to be a mood, <laughs> it's going to be the best thing ever or it's going to be intense. And it's like, I love that. I really do believe in cognitive diversity. I really do believe that different people, different perspectives, different personalities, when kind of managed in an open and transparent way, we can actually have those conversations, even though you think very differently, it's just like gold from an energy mm -hmm. and from a from mm -hmm. a creativity point of view. But, but it, it is tricky. You have to constantly work on it, uh, constantly work on it. And you have to adapt as well. And I think also as a founder, you know, you set the structure that you believe in. doesn't matter if it's a meeting structure or like a feedback structure. Or, and then if you see that with this group of people, that doesn't work. It worked with my old group of people, but it doesn't work mm -hmm. with this team. Then you have to adapt. And you're like, okay, this, you know, group of people, they can't, that's not a good format. And then we have to change it. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So it's not been like stuck in your way. I think you have to like constantly evaluate and, and test and, and kind of see what works. Hmm. Oh, there's so so much gold in here. Yeah. <laughs> Just to start, um, you know, picking out some pieces. <laughs> you know, I'm all I'm all about you know sustainable performance, like supporting um, my clients to find some kind of sustainable level in the high performance world. And you mentioned many things here. Starting to pick, like, how does it? What does it look like on a daily basis for you and your team? to be able to work like in a sustainable way? Um, so I think one of the first thing is that we are constantly having, we had our big kind of uh, strategy days this last two days mm-hmm. where we really kind of re-evaluated um, the ways that we're working, everything from meetings to culture to, you know, feedback loops to, you know, the office and then we use kind of the stop, start, continue, um, where we looked at like what are the things we're doing really good, what are the things that we are like uh, moving into slowly that could be a problem. And I think also when it comes to culture, you can have a fancy deck, right, where it says like our values are, our culture yep. is, but <laughs> it's just paper um, because when you're you know this small, under ten people. The people are the culture and they build the culture. And it usually comes from the founders. Like they seem like they're at a certain way. And then they hire people that they feel like are within the same levels of values. Not always the same people. That's very bad. I think to yes. hire you know, copies of yourself. Very it's very bad <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then that kind of culture just organics, you know, organically builds. Um, so when we have our meeting during our days, um, I think we know pretty well. Oh, the other one is uh, manuals, user manuals. Um, so everyone's oh. written a user manual. And within that manual, you can have things like, you know, things you didn't know about me, things that really motivate me, things that demotivate me, how I like to, you know, how I'd like to get feedback, uh, my pet peeves. <laughs> you know, this is how you get a gold star for me. Um, because everyone is very different. Some people, you know, need to focus and if they have and everyone anyone talks in the background they totally lose their trail of thought and some people just you know feeds on that energy and just wants to have chats and work at the same time so we are very like instant feedback kind of driven in our organization Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if we've had a meeting and someone felt like i don't know you know either that there it was a you know um a stressed tone or you know something that they didn't like then it's usually like you take the person aside afterwards and like i I thought that was a bit harsh or uh, i didn't understand that and then you kind of have an instant conversation about it and like you're you're moving on so we don't have those kind of so much obviously we have the reviews three month reviews and six months and all these different things but we do try to really kind of organically evolve and have these from transparencies throughout the day Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't have a set structure because some people need to sit in the library and just like zone in. And some people are in the office and and, and someone, you know, needs to work. I work in focus blocks. Um, mm-hmm. So we all do these things that, you know, work for us. But I think the key thing is ownership. You can't just expect anyone to think, to know what works for you. 
um, you have to own kind of what you need and you have to communicate your needs, uh, obviously in a respectful way. But yeah. that's kind of usually how we work, that everyone has ownership of their needs and how what works for them. And then we communicate it and we kind of build around that. So I hear it's a lot about like a, an open feedback culture where you yeah. continuously give feedback to each other. Where people are kind of used to that. Both it's not every day. <laughs> of course not. But they can be like too much feedback as well. No, but if, if it's something that's starting to, you know, to great. Yeah. We're yeah. very much like we need bring it up to the surface. Active. We need mm-hmm. to bring it up to mm-hmm. the surface and discuss it before it starts to great. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And then you also mentioned trust, taking ownership, and also knowing, um, knowing each other, like knowing each other's um what what gets them going what they're motivated by but also what stresses them out and what they need in order to be a productive and effective at work and like really having that kind of um awareness around each other's like uh, preferences and personalities and i think it's like it, like any relationship right mm. no one's perfect you're going to have really you know lovely you know quirks and you're going to have the ones that are not that lovely you know mm-hmm. but I think it's it comes back to either you know the manual or the trust and the communication like I I for instance like when I get stressed I just get like laser focused mm-hmm. and I just there, there's no fluff there, all my soft sides just like they're gone um <laughs> and I'm just like we need it yeah. and that's how and I people know that around you but everyone knows that yeah so no one exactly. feels like I'm exclusive or doing anything mm-hmm. they're like okay she's in focus mode I put a little focus post it on my computer which is like don't talk to me yeah <laughs> for the next hour mm-hmm. I put my little red like don't like don't disturb on my slack and then I'm just like in yeah, so. and they know that I need that when I need to hit a deadline mm. and no one thinks that it's like a, a rude behavior. Um, and I think it goes just understanding that people are different and um, just like having a communication around it and an understanding around it. Yeah. And when it comes to, I mean, your own, um, both mental and, and physical health, but um, what I'm usually, you know, very much involved in and supporting with is mental health even if physical health is a part of it. Um, what are your like hacks to stay sane in this highly, you know, stressful, demanding world of both being a business leader, CEO, mom of three? Can you share some of that? Um, no, definitely. I'm I'm really um into like self-development and mental health and physical health. And and it comes from um a place where I actually felt really bad I had when I actually in the process of leaving you know a quite a high executive role in a, in a big company and having my second ch- second child um I mentioned it quickly before it just like all became too much and yeah. um I was brought up like believing in a very kind of stoic uh mm. kind of way of being and it's like you know if you're in hell just keep moving and type a kind of yeah (laughs) and not to like really talk about any you know vulnerabilities so uh when I from one day to another around like a lot of stuff at work um surrounding me you know coming back from maternity leave had a panic attack I was home alone with my kids. I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Um, I got the kids into my neighbor. I called nine oh nine one 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 two, and I was like, I'm having a heart attack. You need to come get me. And obviously, very you know structured. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we talked for a bit, and they're like, 
you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. And I was like, no, I'm not having a panic attack. You don't know me. That's not me. I don't have panic attacks. <laughs> and then I had a period of, God, I can't remember. I think it was like two weeks where I had constant like panic attacks. And that mm. just stopped my life. Like everything I had to like, go on sick leave. And I, even going on sick leave, I thought was the worst thing ever. I'd never taken sick leave in my life. Yeah. And I was like, what is that going to reflect on me? Who, who takes sick leave? It's like, it's not me. Um, and I went to a psychologist for the first time. And that's kind of when my journey into kind of um, self-discovery and starting to kind of look into myself and actually kind of taking care of my mental health. Because I've always been very aware of my physical health. I've always been incredibly sporty. I'm, you know, a runner, any sport you can ever do, very kind of high achiever in sports, but I'd never thought about my mental health, not one second before this happened. And this was what, like six, seven years ago. And that was the starting of me, like learning about mental health. And it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's got started me into meditation. Oh, um, what kind of meditation? Um, I do a lot of different meditations. Um, usually depends on kind of what I'm, what my needs are, if they're guided meditations uh, through um, headspace or if it's like walking meditation sometimes and sometimes it's uh, dynamic meditation. It depends on kind of what my needs are, but yeah. I love it yeah, yeah. a lot. Um, and, um, and also like really reevaluating my values and, and my truths. Um, and that's been a journey that I've been working continuously mm. with yeah, you're never finished. <laughs> and within that process, I, I got the tools. It was incredibly, incredibly, you know, stressful and one of the hardest periods of my life, but also the best period of my life, because it's given me the tools to identify, um, you know, triggers to uh, identify like symptoms and how I start behaving yeah. when I'm like getting overwhelmed or if things yeah. are getting too much or I'm getting stressed. And I, now I have the tools to counteract that. Now I know it's like, okay, you just need to sleep. You need like a proper night's sleep. Yeah. And you need to like work from home today. You need to, you know, have a bath, have a meditation. You need to not have meetings tomorrow. And it's like, I'm a, extroverted introvert so I love people I love interacting with people but it also takes a lot of energy so I know now with like if I have a conference or if I have you know a big you know social engagement if I'm stage investor meetings like hung over from an energy point of view right so I just just pick up something of that you said um because a couple of episodes ago on the show um it was actually two episodes I talked about how to know when to pull the brake, you know, both the, the mental and the emotional symptoms of, of uh, chronic stress. And also, you know, yeah, both the physical, emotional, those mm. symptoms, cognitive symptoms. What symptoms were you noticing when you, so how do you know now when to pull the brake? I think before my panic attack, I had symptoms. I just wasn't aware of them. So I had, I got like ex- eczema, like I got skin rashes uh, and I got, um, my memory uh, became mm-hmm. worse. Um, I wasn't at a, I wasn't you know, like blacking out or like having instant memory loss. It was just like, what's the name? What's the name? You know, yeah. I just, yeah. I didn't feel as sharp. So it's kind of a mental fog. And then, 
very emotional. I felt like I was like one second from crying like constantly, mm-hmm. but keeping it together. Um, yeah. And I did that for such a long time without even reflecting on the fact that it was bad. And then I think I'm I'm a big believer of like the body is, um, you know, where the, the body is smarter than the brain. Um, because I think my panic attack was just my body going enough, boom, I'm going to need to do something drastic for you yeah. to make a change. Um, and it was drastic and I don't think I would have changed. Um, and I would have had a burnout if that didn't happen. Now this was like one month and it was really intense. And then, you know, yeah. I, I felt much better after that, but it's like, I do believe that the body will definitely guide you um if your brain is like programmed in a in a not so healthy way yeah and, and so sorry to hear you know that you had to go through that but I'm also oh, very, I'm happy about it it's the best thing but, ever but happy yeah that you know it sounds like it was the starting point of like a real like self-discovery self-discovery journey a hundred percent so yeah I see that happening with so many of my clients that some of them say that you know and not all of them are burnt out or have been, but but many of them, you know, women leaders are, it's tough, you know, the world out there is tough and you know all about it. And it's, there's so many things, you know, to juggle and keeping it together. Um, eventually, if you push too hard for too long, your body and your brain will start to send signals. And the key is, like you say, to stop and listen, because if we break in time, like you Obviously, it had to go until a panic attack, but that made you pull the brake. Uh, but it still didn't mean that you had to be on sick leave for two years. You know, no. so that's yeah. the thing. The longer we go with symptoms, the longer the recovery usually and 100%. the harder the, harder the crash. And I think it's so important what you said, you know, I think that the female role uh, doesn't matter if you're like an executive or a leader or whatever role you have. We are stuck in like two gen- between two generations where it's mm-hmm. like um, you can be whatever you want. You can, you know, work and full time and, you know, all these different things. But we still do the brunt of the housework. We still do the brunt of the child, both care, but also like the mental load, right, <laughs> of the of the planning, the thinking of all these different things. And then I read an article. Not to mention all the physical. And you know. obviously the physical. Which is, I mentioned you know, like, I an article the other day that it says it's going to take 70 years before there's like actually equal like parental leave, even though all all research said it's the best thing for for the, you know, for parents, for the children economically and all these yeah. different things. It's like we are stuck between having the expectations to excel at work and then run a marathon and go for a drink and with your friends and do all these different things. And then at the same time, like do a half time or a full time job, really, you know, as the CEO of your household. So it's uh, it is exhausting. It's exhausting and I wouldn't hundred percent wouldn't been able to do it without support. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no hack. Well, the hack is ask for help. Um, Ask for help. I was just going to ask, what kind of support system do you have around you to make it work? Like the whole machinery. So I, uh, both my husband and I are from the South of Sweden. So we have no family in Stockholm where we live. Um, and we bought a house at the same time as I started Leia. And that allowed us to be able to get an au pair. Um, and that is the hack. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's a good one. Have, and the, the beauty 
of an au pair uh, is, and I think also it, it depends on kind of the communication you have. Um, I'm really close to Talia who helps us out and she lives here. She's part of the family. And uh, we, it's not like you take care of the kids and I work. It's like, we have a family in this house and we all need to pitch in. Um, but, you know, sometimes when, as soon as I have, you know, meeting finishing early, I rush and get the kids. But if it runs over, then she can get the kids and then mm-hmm. she can grab the food so I can just be with my kids when I'm at home. Because I don't want someone helping me being with my kids. I want something to help me with everything else so I can be with my kids. Yes, and yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Having that support system. And obviously my husband is really supportive as well, but he's also running a startup. So it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, not planning on our part. Uh, but it's like a hundred percent ask for help. And also I think it's, it's so important to be really like manage your energy. Um, I love my friends and I love spending time with them. But like, for instance, we were going out um, this this weekend and I just knew it's like, this is a very intense work for me, work week for me. I will have to prioritize recovery this weekend. Otherwise, I'm not going to feel well. So I had said, no, I can't come, even though it was in a fun party, because I've learned, I know wh- yeah. how to manage my you energy level. And I have to be really strict about it, even though sometimes it's boring. Um, and I think that's also yeah. like a, a good hack to be really like say no, be able to say no, like understand your energy levels, you know, the inputs and the outputs and just like make sure you're really kind of balancing them. Mm. It's so interesting that you say that because it's, I would say that that's like my also number one um, hack for also keeping uh, keeping sane and it's like knowing um when to say no and how to manage your energy and it's something I constantly work also with my clients and it's actually also funny you said that because I'm doing um a, a badass women leaders lunch club in uh two weeks uh, about manage your energy to smash your day <laughs> oh, really? yeah. Yeah. and it's exactly about that to uh-huh. see like what is it that drains your energy and what is it that fills up your energy because sometimes yeah. we're not aware that we have like this big bucket i always uh, use the analogy of the energy bucket or energy glass mm. and we have so many things that kind of empties our energy but what is it actually that fills up our energy? And when I went into, like, after my burnout and I went to stress rehab, that was when I, it was an aha moment when they actually did this exercise that I'm, I brought from them uh, about visualizing what it is that, that steals your energy and what kind of fills it up. And knowing that you have to balance it. And as boring as it might seem, just you know energy is not infinite we have to make some hard priorities and you know in your world and in my world and you know my client's world and in the listener's world it's it's a constant you know constant um just a reprioritization and knowing when to you know, pull the trip, pull the break. Hundred percent. And when to say no and prioritize yourself and self care, and so that you have routines for it, and you know, like already beforehand, that I will need to rest after this or before yeah. this. And that's something that many are not aware of. To put this, I think it's like before. you have to be curious, and I think you have to have a motivator. Yeah. My motivator for so many years was like, I am never going back to that feeling that I had when I had my panic attack. And mm. it is 
very strong motivator. And obviously now my motivator is like, I'm feeling great when I'm doing these things. And that's, you know, I want to yeah. be calm and I want to feel great and I want to have all these different things, right? But I think a new learning that I've got, I love reading books about this. Currently, I'm reading Mo Gadot's Solve for Happy. And I love that book. Mm. And he talks a lot about, you know, the mental energy drains as well. Because oh, I read yeah. to do that. It's like, you know, you think, that, okay, I'm going to put my daughter into basketball because I think it's really good that you learn a team sport and all these different things that comes into that. And, and that could have been the end of that thought. But then it's like, but what if that happens? And what if that happens? And then if that go there, and what if I put her in a school, uh, in the school team, and then she changes schools? And it's like, and you've spent like <laughs> so much time and energy of imagining like 5,000 different scenarios that most probably won't happen. And, you know, that it, that's for me is like one of my biggest things that I work on. It's like my mental load. Like, mm. don't follow those things you know only think about right now right here what are my focuses right now what are my feelings right now what are my problems right now it's usually not that many if it's like right now it's mostly like what if that happens and that happens and that happens then there will be a problem and then you start thinking about that problem so that is right now my focus I love like taking it in different steps and having that very much and it's like the oldest you know obviously oldest in chiropractic you know it's like and it's the hardest it is really the hardest women have a a different way of you know um creating the support system and thinking about and it is obviously wired from you know the, the second we were on this earth on like looking at what are the dangers what are the possibilities that could come and I think we're how very can I nurture my family and how, how can I nurture my family and how can I you know run from the dinosaur but it's um <laughs> it's uh that's my kind of key work on myself right now I really am trying to especially with a startup because you, as a CEO, you're very forced to thinking five years ahead when it comes to fundraising or doing growth strategies or looking at potential mm-hmm. opportunities. Uh, and you get kind of into like, oh, you have to be five steps ahead. You have to think of that and that and that and that. But you can't always do that in your personal life as well because you will be so mentally drained. So I try yes. to do at work. And then it's like yeah. we're doing the most we can right now with the information we have right now. And that's why we usually try not to do like too much like shoulda, woulda, coulda, because it's like, that's the information we had at that point, And we took that decision based on that information. Yeah. Now we know something different, but we don't know that mm. now. But to reinforce that in my private life as well, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm working a lot on to free up the space. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot about, you know, a mindset, like mindset and, um, and knowing where to put your focus, because like you say, we can, we can spend endless and endless of hours on worrying and anxiety and thinking about everything and anything. And that's not going to get us closer, you know, to where we want to go and, and to finish, finish up this. I know your time is really valuable and, uh, we will definitely need to talk again. <laughs> like, we have so much to talk about that we didn't even touch. Uh, but, um, is there, do you have any like final words that you would like to, you know, send out to the audience related to, you know, either sustainability, leadership, entrepreneurship, mental health that you think would, you know, benefit the audience? Oh my God, there's so many. (laughs) I think my number one thing Mm -hmm. would be to start meditating uh 
Yeah. And it's like do it by walking in the woods or do it just like breathing 10 breaths or just like we are living in such a fast paced world and we are just living on like already set, you know, automated behaviors and reaction. And it's just like if we never, especially like mothers and you're working in this like industry, it is fast paced. And if you never just take the time, even though it's just a couple of minutes to just put a pause and just listen to yourself you're just you're not going to go in your the right path for you so I think that would that's the number one thing that that started my journey and that keeps me sane is to really like prioritizing my own health and really just like who am I really and understanding also number two tip number two your brain is lying to you most of the time don't Um, believe everything you think Yes. And that also was a massive learning um, that to really start, you know, to quality assure your your thoughts, because your thoughts are programmed for like thousands of years ago and thousands of years ago. And it's just like having having that kind of uh, curiosity about is this really right when I'm saying that I'm not good enough or this is great and this is not. It's like, is that really true? And start having that acquisitive mind. Um, I think it's really. I was just going to ask you: Do you have a name for your inner bitch? <laughs> Pestrid. I was called when I was a kid. Was it Pestrid? Pestrid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. I, no. Actually, I did have a name for my inner kid when I was a kid. Um, for my inner bitch, uh, Dolores. I thought Dolores. that was a rock star yeah. name. But uh, Dolores, she's on again. Yeah, because it's something that, you know, I obviously I work a lot um, with my clients on and have been working, you know, with my own inner bitch, that if we let that inner bitch, you know, uh, rule our lives and our thoughts, we get eaten up from the inside out. Um, yeah. So she's really, you know, the the source of uh, a lot of our stress and anxiety. So knowing how to work with the thoughts, knowing to question them, knowing to pay attention and not follow their direction. You know, I yeah. see that totally as, as a key to mental health and well-being. And I'm so glad you say that. Yeah. And I think it's also like understanding that there's in like timings and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, when I was in... I have three kids and when there were babies and, you know, sometimes you just like, you have to focus on one thing at a time. And I, I had this really great advice from uh, uh, a friend of mine when I was like, Oh, my husband and I were not going out for dinner all the time or doing all this like lovey dovey things. And he was like, you know what, maybe, you know, when you have small kids, maybe that's not the time when you are walking around holding hands, going for dinner. Maybe that's in a couple of years time and that's okay. And I think it's also like you can't be everything at the same time. You have to like lean into the face and the chapter that you're in uh, and just like understand that. But I think having, you know, a, a side note of always checking in with yourself and not seeing it as like work, just seeing it as like so fun and so curious because I think for so many women you have the role of like you're a career woman or you're a mother or you're this uh, and you're a wife or you're you know something else and then what I love about this journey of self-exploration is like oh 
here I am. I'm me. I'm I'm not all these different labels. I'm me. And I'm really curious about like, oh, that behavior, that was weird. Where, where did that come from? What was that trigger? And it's really fun. It's like getting to know yourself again. And it's, um, you really need that after motherhood, uh, not after motherhood, but after like the baby years. During motherhood. Yeah. During motherhood. <laughs> you really need to like, oh yes, I am myself. I'm not just this, yeah. you know. Uh, so uh, yeah. I see that totally happening. You know, it's like re redefining yourself almost, like re like exploring, 100%. like who am I now? Because and it's, it's very empowering. Problem. It's very yeah. empowering because you do mm-hmm. understand that it's all in your own hands, and it's like I don't have to be that person I was before. I don't have to be that person I was like minutes ago. I'm the person I am now and who I want to be, and that's what I'm going to be going forward. And it's uh, obviously not. It changes you for the rest of your life. You know what you go yeah. through and and all these different things, and it's 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 fun re like. Yeah, redefining and finding yourself again. It's uh, and it's really important because you can feel incredibly lost. I did incredibly lost. Like, who am I? But uh, <laughs> it's a fun journey, and, and I think it's really good. You know, obviously, what you do because I think a lot of women do need like someone to guide them through that because it's uh, if it's a friend or a mother or you know a coach because it it's not easy. It takes you know mm. it takes a lot of filtering. <laughs> We do. We do need that. And it's like, yeah, to have someone that holds space for you and also to kind of um, peel off the layers. It's like peeling off an yeah. onion. It's like, okay, here we have this one. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I didn't know about this one. Oh, <laughs> no, I found about this about myself. And it's, yeah. it's so empowering. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for <laughs> uh, sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences and it's been so lovely having you here. And I can't wait to continue talking to you <laughs> yeah. because we could talk for hours and hours and <laughs> so many interests in common. And we didn't even get into all of the stuff that you do with Leia. Um, which you can is- check it out. Check it out. We help, yes. we help ease in the transition into motherhood. Uh, yes. So we're the ones who hold your hand through motherhood to help your health and mental and physical yes. So for the listeners, please go and check out Leia Health. It's an app and you can download it. And it's just so cool. I checked it out and it's it's super valuable stuff in there. Uh, do you have any um, any ways like people could get in contact with you if they were curious about yeah, more about, you know, the app, the, your company? I mean, you can just connect on LinkedIn or you can email me on Astrid at Leia.health. I loved having this conversation with you, Astrid, and no, wish same you here. all the best uh, for you and your company. And we will talk again soon. Definitely. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you're getting value from this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with other women leaders. Remember that you are awesome.